welcome to episode 226 of CXO Talk. I'm Michael Krigsman. I am an industry analyst and the host of CXO Talk. Today, we are going to speak with Mary Sicola, who is the Chief Information Officer of Antares Capital. And I want to thank Avinod for underwriting this episode. Avinod is a professional services firm. It is the largest professional services firm in the Microsoft, serving the Microsoft platform. And I have worked with Avinod for a long time, and it's a great company. And Avinod, thank you so much for sponsoring, for underwriting this episode of CXO Talk. Mary Sicola, how are you? Thanks for being here. I'm good today. Thank you for having me, Michael. So, Mary, uh, tell us about Antares Capital. And I know you, you're, you began life, your company began life as, a, as like an $18 billion company. Yeah, sort of. I mean, Terry's Capital is a leading provider of financing solutions for middle market private equity-backed transactions. Uh, the Terry's brand has been around for about 20 years and has approximately $18 billion in loans. Um, and Terry's maintains one of the U.S. middle market's largest senior loan portfolio. Uh, but you are right about starting. Uh, so we kind of are a 20-year-old startup. Uh, for a long time, Terry's was GE and Terry's and has recently, with uh, GE removing itself from the uh, capital area, has become its own company in the last 18 months. So you uh, spun out of GE, and when you, when you started, when the company spun out, you decided, you came on board, and then you decided to revamp systems. But maybe that's not the right word, because in fact, you ha- you're a new company, so you had no systems. Right. Since uh, and Terry spun out of GE Capital as its own organization, you had a, a 20-year uh, deal um, uh, credit area that was as, as an ongoing business, but you know, an infrastructure. You had no technology. We were, run, we were under a transition service agreement with GE that was lasting 18 months. Um, I was hired in about uh, four months into that 18-month which left us with about 14 months to replace uh, the infrastructure across the entire organization, five offices, 350 people, as well as we chose not to use any of the GE systems and migrate completely onto new systems. You're the, before we go into, I, I, I really want to, I really want to talk about how you, what you did and how you did it. But before we do that, mm-hmm. you're the CIO and very briefly, just tell us what, as the chief information officer, what, what is your role? Yeah, as the CIO here at Antares, um, I'm in charge of strategy, implementation, everything around technology. And for the, the first 14 months of that, it's been the transition services agreement and really making sure we move off of all the GE services and onto Antares services. So it's been a role both technically, but also this transition service agreement. And that includes uh, watching the facilities migrate out in the different parts of the business. We are already getting questions from Twitter. And just hang on there, folks. We'll get to your questions. Uh, let's just get a little bit more into the conversation. Uh, Mary, so what was you, your cloud first? You've, you've used the term cloud first, and you think of yourself as a cloud first organization. That's really surprising for financial services. So how did how'd that come about? 
Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we had this large challenge ahead of us, right? We needed to migrate out of G in this under this uh, time frame, and bring up all of our systems and create a completely new infrastructure. You had a green field of technology, which is a gift a lot of new CIOs don't have. Along with my green field of technology, though, I had a green field of staff. I had no staff. I was the first IT uh, employee as part of G uh, and Terry's Capital. So. One thing we had to do, I, I took it as a real commitment to be as technology forward as possible. I did not want to create a technology landscape that we would then be reinvesting in or getting rid of. Done a lot of research on um, cloud-based technology, and I really wanted to be as forward there as we could. I will say I saw that as an infrastructure play, if you will, just kind of replacing my servers. And as we get down the road, I'm going to tell you, going completely into the cloud is a lot more than just uh uh, infrastructure play. And uh, as we went down the line and we realized we had to have test systems up before I had a network in place and before I could possibly have bought uh, enough servers to do this. So if you know you have to do that and get your test systems up because you have to replace every application at the same time you're putting in a network across five offices, um, the only way to do that was really to host it in, in, in the cloud. And we leveraged the Azure cloud heavily. Now you say that cloud is not just infrastructure, and can you would you please uh, elaborate on that? Yeah, you know, as we started moving more and more things into the cloud, and and uh, we we did choose Azure heavily because we were we wanted to be extremely mobile. The Interis, uh deal teams and the employees here are mobile. They're fast. They're dedicated. They can move through and close a deal in six to eight weeks. So we wanted to really give mobile technology. So we are committed to sort of the Microsoft suite here, front to back with Skype and everything else to give them that on the road. We also then decided to do virtual desktops in the cloud. And we have our virtual desktops leveraging Citrix in the Azure cloud. We chose to use OneDrive instead of a local drive and ShareDrive. Instead of share drives, we use SharePoint. So they really have all the tools at their fingertips wherever they are. As we kept moving it, it almost became a challenge. We moved our first things into the cloud. We still talked about having a data center um, and having some things, but it almost became a challenge. How much more could we put there? And I will say now that we are fully in the cloud, 100%, we have our desktops, um, we, we have all of our servers, domain controllers are out in the Azure cloud. And one thing you find is it changes your business model with your business. I don't, in my last job, I remember having one year, I could not do major projects because we had replaced all our SAN. And I sat in front of a board member, had to say, you know, I'm going to spend the year doing SAN into the new SAN in the data center. And uh, the question I got was, it seems silly you have sand in your data center. Can you explain and why it takes so long to replace? You don't have to have those board discussions anymore. So much of this is gone. We can focus on the applications. We can focus on the change the business stuff and not worry about the run the business thing. So it really changes my relationship with the business and your, if you will, your, your, your um, corporate items that you have to worry about by being so into the cloud. I don't have a data center to worry about. Even when I talk disaster recovery with people, they realize the way we've done this with mobility, we could work anywhere. And we, I think the, a larger thing we learned about was architecting in the cloud. A lot of people piecemeal as they move into the cloud. First, they move test, then they move disaster recovery. When you architect it front to back to be fully cloud-based, you don't do it that way. You build a redundancy into your region, you build redundancy into another region, and it all just sort of works together. 
We have a, uh, a really interesting question from Wayne Anderson on Twitter. And he says, with a spinoff in the cl- in a cl- in the with with a spinoff in a cloud capable world, what did you not do that weighs other companies down? To me, that addresses there's there's two points. One is the greenfield aspect, yeah. and then the second is what you were just talking about. You know, you don't have to talk with the board about disaster recovery because it's sort of just baked in. Yeah, I think, you know, we do, we're not as weighed down by infrastructure, the speed we can bring a region up with, we can change very quickly. We're now we're rolling out all of our applications at the same time we're doing the network. And suddenly they need a, another region for something that can be built in a day. So that's one thing that didn't weigh us down. Um, I would also say we, as we built this, the second person I hired was my information security officer. We layered security all the way through our implementation as we knew we had to do being in the cloud. We're, we're very, we are tech forward with all the cloud we built, but we're also security forward with the new tools that you can do there. Um, that is another thing I think weighs other people down. On top of it, and Terry's right now is positioned in such a good place, we have extremely modern technology front to back. So when we look to, do, to add something, or a new, new idea comes up, we're not beholden to legacy technology. I mean, we could have kept some of these old systems and just migrated them over, but we're not beholden to that anymore. So if somebody suddenly wants to put in um, something like Cortana so that they can ask our data uh, repository something, we're built to do that. What's, what is that like? You came uh, from very large organizations and with very well-established systems, I assume, uh, both in the private sector and in the public sector. And this is completely different. So what, what's that like to be CIO in this kind of very, very different environment? Yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, one, and Terry's is an exciting place to work for. One, one of the guys I've hired recently said, I love this place because you can really get things done. So one, we have an environment where we're moving quickly. We have a team that's really committed to, to being technology innovators. Um, but also, one reason I was so committed to being technology forward and making sure we didn't repeat the sins of the past is when you're in a really large organization, just keeping your desktops up to date, staying in the most current version of office can be so difficult. And the way that we've done this with 365, we're on the latest version all the time. We receive the updates. We don't have those kinds of problems. So I I think having been in large organizations that struggled with that, legacy technology, difficulty interfacing systems, we really work to eliminate all those problems that we built this. And it's exciting. I will tell you that. It doesn't mean we didn't find new challenges along the way. So... Uh, so of course I have to ask, what are some of the challenges that you discovered as you were making this, I was going to say cloud centric, cloud first migration, but it wasn't a migration. It was a construction. It was. And, and our timeline was so small coming out of GE, you know, meeting these, basically I was 14 months when I was hired by the time staff was in, you had 12 months to really build every layer of your technology and go live. And we did meet our date on that. Um, I, I think that it, it was a really interesting challenge. And um, I, I think being, you could say it's cloud first, but we did build the entire thing in the cloud. Some of the challenges we had with that though is tools that you were familiar with or maybe companies you were familiar with dealing with, they weren't ready. 
a lot of people tell you they're ready to be in the cloud, but you have to dig into that and get under the covers. Some of the tools that we wanted to use and um, that were Microsoft tools weren't ready yet. So we had, a, we had very honest conversations with Microsoft. We knew where they were with certain things, but we had to use other tools in the interim. And now we're migrating over. So I think some of the challenges we've had, and, and you'll find when you're in the cloud, is that vendors you might have used before that were, you were comfortable with, you have to look at them again. Some people you know might not be as open-minded to it. Um, and you know what? We find a lot of fun and interesting problems, but having a team who likes to take those on and say, no, let's not step back. Let's keep moving forward. That is one of the key things you're going to need to overcome challenges. We have some more questions in from Twitter, but I want to uh, follow up on something you, you were just talking about, which is you don't have to spend time and resources, resources on things like updating desktops, updating, updating right. software. Does that free you to apply the resources to innovation or customer-facing activities? What, what do you get by when you're freed up in that way? Yeah, and that's all part of this sort of having all of your infrastructure in the cloud or leveraging these things like 365. Uh, you're exactly right. These run the business activities that drag down your budget and your opportunities as a CIO. They're really taken care of. And we see ourselves as an IT department that is business forward. We want to be there. We want to be at the table asking strategic questions. We want to help solve business problems as they come along. We don't want to have it be, oh, you're looking at a new product. We're too busy you know, upgrading desktops to be a part of that. We want to be strategic partners with the business. And we've built an infrastructure. We've built a technology base that's going to let us do that. And how does this change your, or let me, let me ask the question this way. Has this changed the relationship between IT and the business? Is it different from other organizations with which you have experience because of this? Yeah, absolutely. No, I think, I think one, the business is very excited about how tech forward we are. Um, they look at a lot of different deals and some of them have uh, a technology, software companies, hardware companies. They invite us into those discussions to ask us to look at that technology with them. I've never been a part of a business before where IT is brought to the table on business decisions like that. Um, they come, we're looking at new products. We know they've gone through it. We'll bring them into the teams to do that. Um, I think we've created... It's both because of technology, but I've also hired and created a team that is business forward as well. We're not focused on, we have great technology, but we're not just focused on that. We want to be part of the Interis business. And my team is very good about integrating themselves with Interis. Well, we are part of Interis. So, so you're, you, you think about IT, the, the term you just used is uh, business forward. That's how you think about the relationship of IT to the business. Absolutely. Um, I think if you're not, you're going to be left behind. And I never want to be in a place where they're coming with um, new technology that we don't know about. We want to be looking at technology, thinking about how to apply it, how to make Ontario's capital a better place through technology, through automation, digitize items that they're still trying to do manually. Our opportunity to go and help them, that's where I see us as business forward. We have a couple more questions from Twitter, some really interesting questions, actually. Uh, one is from Arsalan Khan, who, and Arsalan's a regular listener, so thank you, Arsalan. Uh, Arsalan asks, how much business process, pro business process reengineering did you have to do in order to move to the cloud? 
and what were the cultural impacts. And I know you were a new company, so you, you, you were setting processes up uh, greenfield, but still the, the folks inside uh, Antares Capital are from established financial institutions. And so how did you have to re- rethink about it? Yeah, and we might have been a greenfield of technology, but remember, our systems were being run on GE platforms until we migrated over. So we did have a legacy platform we were moving from. We ran on about 35 different applications at GE. We were able to consolidate that down to five major applications. Um, The technology was not as well integrated. There was a lot of um, gaps or manual input on the other side. We've integrated that. So we've got very clean data the way it flows through. We did major business process reengineering through this. And we, as, long, as well as building up an IT team, we had to build up the finance team. The operations team was brand new. So you kind of had new teams coming in, a lot of them with GE experience because we relied heavily on hiring from there. But, um, it, you know, our opportunity to restructure this, look at the way the system should interact and build, because we'll talk about the cloud, but really what we did with the application infrastructure was just as amazing and really being data centric with it. Where is the data owned? Where is it moving to? And reducing manual entry as much as we could. So we did a significant amount of business reengineering. How did you, how did, how did the folks uh, in management, the senior management of Interis Capital react when you said, okay, this is all going to be cloud, right? Isn't, th- isn't that kind of practically unheard of in financial services? It, it is. And, you know, the first question everyone always has for you is, is it safe? Is it safe to move the cloud? And, um, you know, my answer to that, first off, having an information security officer in-house initially helping build those safeties, safe, the safeguards and the different layers of security. Um, I, I think at this point, we're far safer. I don't think I could ever secure a data center the way that Microsoft has the ability to do with, with all the things they have there. Uh, the ability to sort of break things up into the different regions within the cloud. Again, it gives me a flexibility that would have taken me a lot to build. You know, my answer to that is it depends on how you do cloud and which cloud you pick. You have to pick a safe provider. Um, You've mentioned Avanade. We also picked a vendor who is very knowledgeable about it, could bring to the forefront the Microsoft resources we need um, to figure out all these solutions and get that relationship very tight. Um, I think going through those security standards, how we would do it, and why it can actually be safer. On-prem used to be safe because you could guard your data center like a castle, if you think about it. You had a drawbridge and one entry and exit. And we know over the last 10, 15 years that has disappeared. You have mobile devices now coming forward and other things that are coming in through those walls. Your opportunity to build security to protect your key assets, which are your data, and, and protect those over everything else. It gave us a green field of cybersecurity, which um, I think a lot of cybersecurity solutions are bolted on because there's so much changing there. We were able to lay our modern cybersecurity right into it. And it helped to hire somebody who was in cybersecurity, but um, also what I would say, he was as passionate about moving into this and he could explain it in good terms to auditors and to other people who asked the questions. So it's really interesting. So you you definitely believe that you are safer with the cloud than with on-premise, than with controlling your own your own system. Yeah, I I really do. And uh, we can die. We could have a whole nother discussion on that and why that's true. 
Um, I do think it depends on the cloud provider you choose and making sure you find one that has strong security standards uh, front to back. I totally agree. As a matter of fact, I'm always surprised when I talk with CIOs of any but the largest companies in the world who say, well, we can protect our data center better than Microsoft or, you know, any, any of the la- large cloud providers. I mean, it's, it's impossible. That's, yeah, I think that's true. That's how I see it. Uh, yeah. We have another really interesting question, another great question from Twitter, from Wayne Anderson again. And Wayne, uh, Wayne asks fantastic questions. Thank you for that, Wayne. So Wayne says, when you hear another CIO say, I'm in financial services and my key focus is to control cost, how do you react? So I I think that has been true historically, and I I spent 25 years at Deutsche Bank. I really do understand that. I think this cloud migration, um, freeing up your run the bank resources, because the other thing that's also a pressure there is not just reducing uh, cost, but reducing your run the bank and bringing up your uh, change, well, change the bank, change the business. So in financial services, I think that doing this type of thing, you could go, if you decided you wanted to go full cloud, Pitch to your board, pitch to your senior management. This will be the last major infrastructure project I ever come talk to you about. Separate from yourself, move your data center into the cloud. And at that point, I think you're going to see cost savings, um, either from continual capital investment or just the way you're running things in the cloud. But you'll also be able to give a lot more time and attention to business, which I do know in financial services, they, they are desperate for uh, how did you how did you have that conversation and convince the board that cloud was the way to go? What were what were some of their concerns and how did you overcome those concerns? You know, security is always a major concern. So, again, it's really kind of going through the cybersecurity items, uh, the speed at which we moved and our ability to change quickly as we rolled this out. Getting off our TSA was a big goal of the organization and explaining how migrating into the cloud would help with that. Then also talking about this business case about going forward and not having to continue to do these types of investments and also putting us at the forefront that we can take new technology on extremely quickly with the infrastructure we have. Those were all really solid points. So so, uh, then fundamentally it was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the ability to be, to scale, the ability to be fast and the ability to be have greater responsiveness and participation with what the, the business wants and needs. Yeah, you articulated that very well, but that's a big part of the business case. And their concern is always the safety. So your ability to prove that you've built those cybersecurity things in, um, I think that waylays the fears and then provides the business case to the board about why it's a good idea. Can you give us some examples of how uh, the resources freed up or the focus or the mindset of going to the cloud enables you to participate more fully and be more responsive to the business? Yeah, it's a good question. Now, remember, I built this team, so it's not as if suddenly resources were more available. Um, I will say my infrastructure team right now is about four people which I think is tremendous. And we have some people who help with the 
uh, desks and, and going around. But, you know, four people infrastructure team with a $18 billion business, I mean, those are pretty good numbers. That said, we do leverage Avanade heavily to help us with that in a lot of the space, especially around Microsoft and SharePoint. But we've got managed service provider, and that's the relationship we're going to have there. So again, we're not doing a lot of our management around things that don't add the most benefit to your business. Now, as I say that, having your networks up, having everything work is very important. Downtime you can't have there. But when that's up and working and running, nobody in your organization tends to see that as you providing that to them, right? So working in a managed service mode, reducing the cost with the cloud and getting the majority of the focus on the applications and changing those and making those better for the business, that's really where you're going to see the savings. And even when I talk about four infrastructure people, two of them work almost full-time with the application development teams. So really brought down the focus on my team for a lot of the infrastructure work. And then we focus back again on applications, data stores, producing uh, new opportunities. Where does Agile fit in? And if you can talk about it in terms of, you know, not just project methodologies, but the mindset, because I think it's so central to that interactive and more responsive relationship that IT can have with the business. No, you're absolutely right. Um, Doing this entire project in about 12 to 14 months, we were obviously agile. And I think Agile goes, to your point, much deeper than just a way to run projects. It's not just having a scrum meetings or a Kanban board. Agile is really a mindset. And um, our ability to think agilely to get, if, if you, our networks rolled out six months into this, we talk about having 12 to 14 months, we had to have the net- networks up and running and all the offices converted onto the new technology by um, midsummer, mid to late summer. And right after that, we rolled in our general ledger. Then it was a few months later, we put in the other major applications. In order to do that, we had to apply an agile methodology. We could not pull back and do requirements for six months. That would never have worked. So we had very interactive meetings with the business. We brought them all together on a regular basis. We reprioritized things quickly with them, got delivery back out, showed it to them, had that sort of... um, interaction with the business. I think we also deliver a better product because, you know, when someone asks you what you want, you don't always have all the answers, right? And this agile methodology you can do of showing it and then changing it and not saying, well, you gave me those requirements nine months ago, you have to stick with them, really also helped us provide good solutions for the Ontario's Capital Organization. But agile, I think, is more than a project methodology. It's a, a way to think. It's a way to approach problems So you're not sort of sitting back and dithering for a very long time. You're looking for solutions quickly. And then also the ability to get changes out on the desktop. One of our applications, we're going to go to four-month sprints, delivering something every two weeks. For financial services, that's fantastic. I want to remind everybody you're watching episode number 226 of CXO Talk. We are speaking with Mary Sokola, who is the Chief Information Officer of Antares Capital. And Avanad has underwritten this episode, and we are very grateful to Avanad. They are the largest service provider for the Microsoft platform. And I've worked with Avanad for a number of years now, and, and it's really a good company. So Avanad, thank you so much for underwriting this episode of CXO Talk. Mary, you, were, you, you mentioned uh, 
this agile mindset. And it's funny, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, agile in a way is kind of uh, ongoing show and tell, build and show, build and show, right? And get feedback on yeah. that. And you mentioned the term mindset. So as distinct from project management methodology. So, so what is that agile mindset? No, that's a good question. I, I think it's, um, it is show and tell and going back and forth, but it's also, um, again, thinking quickly on your feet, looking for solutions very fast, keeping that uh, delivery to the business, not just about what they asked you for initially, but getting it on the desktop and making it what they want instead of what they might have originally thought. Agile is a mindset to me because what you're really trying to do is deliver something that makes the end user's life better. Um, and, and doing that means you have to make changes often. Sometimes what you developed wasn't at all right, and you might have to throw half of it away. That's okay if what you're trying to deliver is what they want at the end of the day. So I think agile is a mindset because if you keep that in the forefront, then you're going to stay agile and you're going to stay delivering show, tell. It's not always going to be right. Fix it. And that's a good thing. Okay. So now I'm slightly confused. Mm-hmm. Because when you say it, you, you always want to be doing the right thing for the business and giving them what they want, how is that different from IT before cloud, before agile? Haven't, I mean, right, CIO and IT, haven't they always wanted to do the right thing for the business? Maybe. I, I, and I'm not going to say anyone didn't, but you often get hung up on internal IT department processes and things that are important to you. And that often in organizations can create a gulf between the IT department who's trying to do things a certain way, especially when you do have to keep a data center up, when you're spending a whole year replacing your SAN, when you're doing things that you want to say, but this is important, but at the end of the day, it doesn't feel important to people who are trying to move the business forward. So I think one, that's where cloud can add to this sort of, now we're focused both on the same important thing. Also, with traditional waterfall and collecting of requirements and you sign off on it, I think often of developing systems like building a house. When I, when I first give, the, when, I, when I say I want this sink or that, it doesn't turn out to be what you want at the end. You change your mind. You, you want different colors. You want different things. And when you sign a requirements document and, you're, and people disappear for six months, deliver that, and you say, wait, that's not really what I wanted. You often got, again, this gulf between, well, that's what you asked us for, or, or, you know, this is what we've been working on. You signed off, you're done with it. Agile let, lets you throw that out. And if you, have, if you have the agile mindset that, look, we know everyone doesn't get it right the first time. We're going to show, we're going to tell change, we're going to do it and deliver something that is what people want, but may, maybe not what they asked for. Make- so, yeah, it makes sense. So the, the agile mindset then forces you into a different kind of project management methodology. Exactly. It really does. Um, you still need the proper documentation. We're, we're all in a highly regulated business and following that, but making it very light and flexible, not making too much process and focusing on the end deliverable. What about change management in an agile environment? How, does, how is that different from in a traditional software rollout? It's a really good question. And what I'm going to tell you that you need to keep certain controls and processes in place, change management is one of those that becomes more important. Things are changing quicker. Uh, you can 
build environments quicker in the cloud in the cloud world and make those changes, you can make application changes much quicker. Following structure, making sure that you've got good source control, following a very structured approach to migrating that into production, having good back out abilities is more important when you're putting change in quickly. It sounds like you spend a lot of your time, uh, I'm going to say managing vendors. I'm not sure if that's quite the right term, but selecting selecting partners and working with partners and negotiating with partners. Is that is that a fair statement? You know, that is fair. And um, the fact that, you know, again, around this 14 months to create a, a team to implement all these items, uh, we made some key hires along the way, but I also really leveraged some key business partners, firms I'd worked with before or could really trust for the different things they do. And um, I, I was using three different vendors. Avanad was a, a very key one, again, right in that Microsoft space. And um, working closely, we made an early decision that we were going to use managed service providers for parts of the IT department that we did not consider. Um, I'm not going to say mission critical. Everything's mission critical, but it's something that you could outsource and monitor instead of spending your precious hours on it. So we have some very good strategic vendors. Why did you make that decision to, to work with managed service providers? How did you, why, why'd you do that? There's a couple of reasons. One, we did have a speed issue. So having providers come in and help us go very quickly as sort of surge consultants. But longer term, migrating certain things to manage service providers and being able to check service levels, it again takes the focus, the day-to-day focus of a lot of your team and management away from these items that may not be as crucial at the end of the day, having to build that entire group. I also find sometimes keeping an innovative mindset, keeping an agile department, keeping it lean keeping those types of people focused and not creating a lot of groups or being able to make changes with those managed service providers when they're not delivering the way you need it also makes managing your department a lot easier. And what about the the skills issue? To what extent did you, uh, were you thinking, well, if I, if I go with these, these managed service partners, I don't have to develop these skill sets in house. To what extent was that part of the thinking process? No, absolutely. And it's a really good point. Either A, I was able to bring in uh, managed service providers that knew a lot of things and could help the team I had on the ground with some of their problem solving. But there's a lot of skill sets that, um, you know, we, we just went with a, a new help desk. I didn't want to have to create one of those and, and figure out how to train that up. We were able to leverage that and then the tool that they were using to do the problem management along the way. Those were items that, you know, we could really add that talent and that competency without that being something we had to grow in-house. We have another question from Twitter, again from Wayne Anderson. Wayne Anderson asks the questions that I should have thought about asking, but didn't. So, so thank you, Wayne. And he, and he says, what, is the, what was the single most important trait or factor to contribute to vendor trust for you? That that's is a, a really good question. Isn't that, that's and a great My one. answer is delivery. I mean, if I, well, a couple things. When I have a vendor who can come, come in and deliver on their promises, that's crucial to me. A vendor who's transparent. So consequently, if there's a problem with what they're working on, they let me know. They let others come in and help. Also really important. The worst thing is for a vendor to go off, have an issue, and let you know later. Um, ones that are very strong in the competencies they have, 
And then their ability to move resources out when they don't work. Sometimes resources aren't working for talent and sometimes it's cultural fit. The ability to say like this isn't happening and get those changes very quickly is important to me. They have to be trusted advisors with me. And in some ways, the lead of these managed service providers that I've used, those people are on my team. They meet with my team and they feel like a part of our organization. So we don't treat them like they're something different, but those traits, uh, really being good at what they say they're good at, having transparency into what they're doing, when they're having issues and when it's going well, and then also the ability to, to work with us on resources is key. You, you earn that trust, don't you? I think that the issue of, I'm so glad that Wayne asked that question because the issue of trust, especially in the cloud where you are putting your crown jewels in somebody else's hands. Yeah. It's so important. Uh, And we have another interesting question, this time from Scott Weitzman. And Scott asks, with the cloud environment, is your COE, your center of excellence, also held and built within the cloud? Um, so it depends on what our center of excellence is. I've heard that term used around different sort of functions within an organization, but we have, we have no on-prem servers. We have none. So everything that we have built is in the Azure cloud environment. Wow. Now I want to continue with this theme of the relationships with vendors. And I know that you've been working very closely with Avanad. And so where does Avanad fit into this picture? And you've kind of alluded to it, but where, where, do, where does Avanad fit? Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a great question. Uh, one of the first people we had in was from Avanad. Uh, he helped us to build our intranet site. He's helped us to move all of our files. And these are not data files. These would be files out of share drives um, at at GE into SharePoint and has re-architected that working directly with different departments. Um, I'm going to bet there's a few people at Interius Capital who doesn't realize he's not one of our employees. Um, They were key with the network rollout and we had a a couple good Avanad partners who are on the floor. We talk about this network rollout, um, five cities in seven weeks and some of these offices, 200 desks. I mean, just unloading the boxes sometimes. We changed every technology component on the desktops in that transition. Uh, just getting the equipment out of the boxes, setting it up on the desktop, hooking it to the network. Um, I loved when I was in Chicago and, and half the people we had here to do other things said, I'll come in the weekend and help you with that. So we had people with all different backgrounds uh, helping us basically set up the desktops. And, and those were our Avanad partners with us. So um, we've leveraged them around the Microsoft suite of SharePoint desktop, they help uh, my ISO with the cybersecurity decisions and looking at that. They helped us with a lot of the early architecture around the cloud. Um, I actually remember going to Avanad and talking about what we wanted to do. And uh, one, of, one of their key partners said, you know, everybody else, Mary, is halfway down this, this marathon. You guys are standing at the end line saying, where do we go next? And it was a really good insight to why we were having troubles getting answers to certain questions because we were in a place other people weren't looking yet. But I've appreciated they've helped us look down that road and look forward and try to find new solutions. On top of that, they really helped build up our relationship with Microsoft, making sure we were talking to the right people. Anytime you're doing this kind of uh, project that you've described, 
which is so encompassing, and especially on a very tight time frame, it's always, always fraught with complexity. And, mm-hmm. and it's hard enough to do that if everybody works for you inside your organization and reports to you. So how do you, so, so in that relationship with Avinad, how do you, how did you manage all of these pieces and how did you ensure that everybody was working on the same page and moving forward in, in just the right way since you're dealing with multiple organizations? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think project management in time boxed projects and hitting deliverables like that. And we had teams, we had infrastructure teams, we had um, security teams, we had desktop teams, we had every single application being developed at the same time. And in the background, a whole separate team who was bringing the data over from G, cleansing it and deciding what areas it went into. We used very strong project management. I, I had brought in um, a a key delivery manager that I had known very well in the past to help with that. And really those streams all reported up. We had regular meetings together. Um, To your point, people don't always want to tell you about the problems they're having. We had a very open door about that. And it was more, you know, again, I bring up this transparency because what you're talking about and the ability to do this type of work so quickly, if you're, if people don't feel like a group can walk in your office and go, Mary, we got a problem you're not going to get through it because these problems are going to linger in the background. We had a very open door on that. We talked about problems very openly. Problems were brought to the forefront. And this is where I'm going to get to that agile mindset. It wasn't like, oh, I have a problem. I got to hide it. It's, I got a problem, guys. Help me solve this so we can move on to the next thing. Um, you know, Avanad brought their management around that. I think I, I mentioned their senior person is, is like a, one of my team and a partner to us. Um, I think having, it, it was both the managed services working with them, but also having this very open mindset of problems are things to discover and solve and not to worry about and hide. We have just a a few minutes left, and I think it would be really interesting if you can share advice or share your learnings about working in this kind of environment where you're managing uh, mission vendors, working on mission critical parts of your business. So how do you develop that trust? How do you manage that relationship? How do you keep the complexity inherent in check so so it works? It's a great question. I think having a shared vision is very important. We know our shared vision of moving to the cloud. We know our shared vision of being technology forward, but also seeing that whatever impact we have, we have to have the lowest impact on the Ontario's capital business side that we can have. And everyone has those in the forefront of their mind as they move forward. Having oversight and clear delivery and understanding when things are missing and what you're going to do about it. So you need, I mean, not a formal contract, but a clear contract with these vendors of, of what the mission is, how we're going to approach it, getting them to understand that vision, but also your corporate culture, and then having good, um, good controls and a good ability to monitor what's, what's being delivered and how it's coming through. And prioritization. Never forget prioritization. But you can't write all, as you said, you can't write all this down into a contract. And so, so when you were working with, with an Avanade, just as an, an example, how did you, how'd you make sure that that trust was there? I mean, what did you do? What advice can you offer other people who are staring into a huge project 
with external vendors and they're terrified. Uh, that, that is a complex question. I've, I've done it a number of times. I think one, bringing them into your team and bringing them into fold and, and treating them part of the project is very important. Don't delegate to them that they're going to do this and you're not going to have any oversight. Um, staying very clear, having those, those meetings with them. We would also have meetings between the technology departments, the business areas we were working with. We talked about issues openly. Um, you have to be very actively involved. You can't be hands-off. But on top of it, I guess that's where I talk about moving people out if they're not working out. If you see someone who isn't fitting the culture and the vision, having honest conversations and having a firm that'll have those with you and migrating people out when you see them not either being transparent or making decisions around technology that was taking us backwards. And we ran into that with certain people. Um, I don't, I, I think the big answer there is you can't just delegate it. You still have to own that project. You have to still own that that firm is doing it. And, um, you know, the old trust, but verify. And obviously it worked. And then my final question to you in our last one minute is what advice have you got for other CIOs who are trying to convince their management that cloud really is okay, we can do it. Yeah, I, I, think, I think my first advice is don't dip your toe in it. If you're going to go into it, move an entire application and architect for it. Um, if you're looking to explain to people and they have questions and they say, well, is the cloud safe or is the cloud this? Changing that argument and saying, what, what controls do you need to see? What items do you consider safe? What are you holding this up to? Because if you just say, well, is the cloud there? That's not the answer. The answer is, what controls are you looking for? What way would you consider something safe and being able to answer those questions? So sort of changing it from, oh, it's the cloud, it's big and scary. You know, picking good vendors is very important and showing that you did that well, that you've checked that they are secure. And then saying, what kinds of things do you need to see to, to say any environment secure? I mean, you and I challenged earlier, I don't think on-premise data centers are that secure. So what makes you comfortable that's secure? And then how can I show you that that's true about where I built mine? I think that's very important. So deliver, so, so always have as your reference point the, the business value, the needs of the business, and not get hung up, as you said earlier, on IT processes. Yeah, exactly. I think that's very important. Okay, well, we have been talking for about 45 minutes, and unfortunately, our time is up. I wish that we had a lot more time you have been watching episode number 226 of CXO Talk. And a big thank you to our underwriter, Avanad, and a really big thank you to Mary Sokola, who is the Chief Information Officer of Interis Capital, for being here and sharing your, your experience and your wisdom with us. Mary, thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Everybody, come back. Next week, you can go see our upcoming episodes on cxotalk.com slash episodes. And for sure, you should subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the YouTube button that's on your screen. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Okay. We are all set. Great. Oh, that was great. That was really great.
Did yeah. Great. Did you think it went well? I thought it was excellent. Yeah, you did a great Good. job. There was one question.